0: you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Open your Bibles uh, to Lamentations, uh, chapter 3. Yeah, chapter 3. I know it says 2 up there, but that's wrong. <laughs> Lamentations, chapter 3. It's right after uh, Jeremiah. It's towards the middle of your Bible. As I've said a few times, this is one of those times where having one of the wonderful Bible apps on your phone really helps, because then you don't have to know how to find Lamentations. Um <clears throat> So we have been uh, walking through uh, the book of Lamentations, and uh, you've probably... And I've heard from a few now. Uh, you've probably never heard uh, a sermon out of the book of Lamentations because Lamentations is full of stuff that we don't like to talk about at church. Um, a little, little kind of primer Lamentations is, is five poems that are written uh, after the greatest disaster uh, that had uh, befallen God's people so far. Uh, so if you know the story of the Old Testament of Israel, God chooses a special people. He promises to make them into a nation, and his plan is to use that family, that people, and that nation to bless the whole world. And so the whole story of the Old Testament is about that. That's what the Old Testament's about. It's about that family, where they come from. And so so God does. Uh, He uses them. He grows them into a great nation. Uh, They occupy a a territory uh, in in what's pretty close to modern-day Israel today. Uh, and in, in their uh, nation, uh, they have a city called Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, the kind of the capital city of the nation of God's people, there's a building. It's called a temple. And in the ancient world, uh, a temple is where you go if you want uh, to connect with, with God. And so God builds the temple and the city and the nation. And he gives it to him and says, I am going to connect with you. And so that through my connection with you, you might bless the entire world. Well, uh, God's people turns out are human beings, uh, just like you and I, and and they. Um Long story short, they they fail. They turn away. They turn their back on God. They're unwilling to make sacrifices for others. They put uh, themselves and their own individual interests first over God's law and the people that God cares about. And so a disaster strikes. Um, and, and what happens is another ancient empire uh, called the Babylonians come. And and long story short, they they take over Israel. They siege Jerusalem. They take all the best people out, and they just they just level. The temple, And so if you're somebody who your whole life grew up believing the story that God chose your nation and your family to be the one people that he connects with so that he can bless the whole world, now all of a sudden your nation is gone, your capital city is gone, and the temple, the one place that you might uh, connect with God, is gone as well. And Lamentations is written as a response to that. And it's and it's raw. These five poems are unafraid to highlight uh, every part of that story and how hard it is. There are parts of this, uh, these poems that if you've been reading them with us, you probably cringed to read. There are parts of these poems that I don't like to read uh, even on the page or aloud because they're hard to say. The images that they paint are, are very sad. So, so this is why you never ever hear about it at church on Sundays because it's really hard to write a worship song about lamentations. <laughs> And it's really hard to say something encouraging about Lamentations, and in the American church especially, we want to make sure that we're always smiling, we're always happy, and we're always encouraged. Um, <clears throat> so that's why uh, this year, as we uh, get closer to uh, Good Friday and the story of Jesus on the cross, as we get closer to the empty tomb of Easter, we've been spending some time looking at each chapter of the book of Lamentations. And so Lamentations 3 is right in the middle. It's the middle poem. It's the longest poem. Uh, And in uh, Hebrew, um, I guess, literary structure, uh, it's sort of like most uh, Hebrew poems. They're like mountains. So, you know, you kind of, you work your way up to the top of the mountain, and then you get to the top of the mountain. There's usually something Really significant in the middle of, of the poem, and then you wor- you work your way back down the poem. So so chapter three is it's the centerpiece. This is where uh, it, it's meant to draw the eye, and so as we read this, let's let's hear um, this. Um, we're gonna read not all of it, uh, but we're gonna look at at what uh, what's in the center centerpiece of that. Uh, but before we get started, as I was preparing this, I was thinking, um, you know, if you've been around here at Bethel uh, the last few months, that we've had. A, uh, a lot of loss. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we're looking at Lamentations, to be honest, because we're a church that's full of people that are, are mourning in, in different ways. We've had a lot of funerals in, in, in this room this last year. Uh, and it's been hard. We have people in this room and, and watching online. that are a part of our church that are, are mourning recent losses. We have people that are mourning um, older losses. And it turns out, even when time goes by, those things still hurt. They're still difficult. And during one of those services one time, as I've been a pastor here, I was meeting with somebody who lost who lost a loved one. And we talked for quite a while. This is a friend of mine. Um, and I asked them, um, Uh, A question, and and I don't know if this is the wrong question or not, but at the time it was the wrong question. I asked them, Is there anything that I can do to help? I wanna help. I wanna solve the problems. Anybody else like solving problems? Uh, Is there anything I can do to help? And I was not prepared for the answer. Um, This person hit me back with their honest response, and it stopped me in my tracks. And next time I think to ask this question, I may not ask it again because I may not be prepared for the answer. They said, Can you bring them back? That was how I responded, too. (laughs) And I paused and looked at them, and they said, then there's nothing that you can do. You know, we don't usually um, talk about this. And, And I think many people that have lost somebody maybe didn't have the relationship or the internal uh, whatever to, to stop being nice and to just say this. But I think a lot of people that have lost somebody has felt this before. Can you bring them back? Well, then there's nothing you can do. I think it's real and honest. Um, and, and we don't usually talk this way uh, because most of the time, most people, almost all of us are, are very, we, we try so hard to be resilient right, to get through to the other side. If we can just make it, we put on a brave face, we put on a smile for our friends at church or our Facebook friends or whatever, and we say, yeah, things are bad, but it's gonna be okay, even if we don't really feel it. We try and take things in stride and respond appropriately, but everybody, every person has a point where the optimism the cheerfulness for the sake of others, the problem-solving, or even the denial about the bad things that happen to us, it just breaks down. Um, and if you've ever been at this point, you know what that's like. And if you've ever known anyone that's been at this point, you've seen what it looks like. But, but the reality is that everybody has a point. Uh, everybody has a point where, where that stuff, it just doesn't work anymore. The platitudes, they just don't, they don't work anymore. Sometimes it's in the wake of a massive loss. You know, a spouse, a child, a friend, a significant injury, a loss of job. Other times for people, and, and maybe you've experienced this, it's, it's cumulative. You know, it's not that that last thing that happened was so bad, but it was, it was just a disappointment after a disappointment, after a letdown, after a failure, after a tragedy, and it just becomes this pile that you can't uh, close your eyes to anymore, that you can't pretend is fine anymore. But however it happens, Everyone, I think, has a point um, where enough goes wrong that we hit a real crisis point, um, and we can't uh, fake it so good anymore. And and, and we start to notice two things in a really catastrophic way. One, uh, that we are not as nearly as in control of our own lives as we thought we were. That there are things that can happen to us that come completely out of left field and blow up our whole world, and there was nothing that we could have done. And two, uh, that there is nothing that can be done to fix the problems that we have. And it it becomes clear that there is just no sugarcoating this, this reality. That our solutions hoped for, dreamed, imagined to significant problems, sometimes they fail the thing that we were counting on to make it all better, it, it falls short. Perhaps that one comfort that we were holding onto so tightly in the midst of a loss or a challenge, it disappears and it instantly becomes clear that the foundation that we had been building our lives on is not nearly as solid as we thought. People even describe it as the earth shifting under them. Can you bring them back? No well, then there's nothing that you can do. And Lamentations, these five poems, they're written in a moment like that. Uh, Not just for one person, but for a whole community. And throughout the history of this book, uh, for for like, you know, over two and a half thousand years, um, people have gathered and read Lamentations every year and brought with them, the things that, that make them say, well, there's nothing you can do then to it. It's five chapters of, of tears. And from a place so broken that there are almost no solutions in all of um, the book of Lamentations. So if you're the sort of person who grew up hearing, you know, the Bible as basic instructions before leaving earth. There are hardly any instructions in Lamentations. It's, it's just honest with reality. And so chapter three is, is the climax, right? Uh, and each of these poems are, are acrostics. Uh, believe it or not, it's like it's the A to Z of, of suffering and sorrow in, in Lamentations. And, and chapter three is, um, is a third longer than all the other chapters. And so like I was saying, it's like the mountaintop. We've been climbing the mountain, and now we're at the top of the mountain, and there's something here to see. Um, And so, what we'll notice is that right smack in the middle of Lamentations 3, there's one small moment, um, one group of 12 lines deep inside the ash heap of Jerusalem uh, to maybe find a little bit of hope in. And if you've ever heard anything from the book of Lamentations, these are the verses that you've heard. These are the only verses that are fit to print on a calendar, Uh, But before we uh, read them and and, and put our smiles on, we remember that these verses are in the ashes. That before and after is honesty, pain, and struggle. Uh, These are not in ignorance of reality. Uh, So in these five chapters of tears, here we go. Lamentations 3, and and I'm actually going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Uh, because when I was reading it in preparation for this, I thought it, it fit really well. So that's what's up on the screen. Um, Lamentations 3, 19 through 33. Uh, and so it'll, it'll be familiar if you're reading the NIV, but it's a little different. Um, so, so here it goes. Here's the, here's the poem. The thought, here's some ashes to start, of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never Forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. If you've ever experienced a loss, you know how true that line is. You will never forget this time as I grieve over my loss. And verse 21, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. We'll come back to this, but that faithful love—sometimes your Bible calls it steadfast love. It comes from this really cool um, Hebrew word called Chesed. Can you say Chesed? Chesed—it's—it's it's a not a COVID-friendly word. Um, you gotta—you gotta make sure you got your face shield on for that. Chesed, um, and it's the word that the Bible uses to describe uh, this unique way that God's uh, love, the kind of love that God has for us, his chesed, his faithful, steadfast, unending love that can persevere even into the ash heap. So anyway, the chesed of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them lie face down in the dust, for there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek to those who strike them and accept the insults of their enemies. For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion Because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. In the middle of the ash heap, yet I still dare to hope. Have you ever felt like saying this? Not the hope of everything's always pretty much okay, and I'm sure this will be okay too, but the hope that lies uh, face down in the dust. But there has to be hope at last. When was the last time the circumstances of your life made hope not a warm, fuzzy feeling, but a foolish and risky dare? If you can remember that, that's who um, Lamentations is talking to. Uh, The kind of time when hope is, is something you'd almost rather leave behind because it's not worth hoping. Hardly a comfort at all, but instead a bold, stubborn, and foolish dare. Well, according to the Lamenter, there are three reasons That in the ashes, God's people can dare to hope. The chesed of the Lord, it never ends. The Lord is good to those who depend on him and search for him. And no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. As I read these, I imagine the way you have to say these kinds of words to yourself sometimes. No. The has said of the Lord never ends. It sure feels like it, but no. The Lord is good to those who search for Him. No one is abandoned for ever. Sitting in the ashes of Jerusalem, this was the only promise that God's people felt like they could grab onto. This this was it. Because there wasn't, uh, there's no talking, well, things are going to be okay someday. There's no talk of, oh, don't worry, the temple will be built again someday. Oh, don't worry, it'll all work out in the end. Just those three words God's love never ends. He's good to those who depend on Him, and no one is abandoned by Him forever. It's a promise um, that they believed in the ashes. And the reason I know that to be true is because if they didn't believe that promise, if they didn't hold on to it and preserve it and copy it from generation to generation, we would not have it here in front of us two and a half thousand, roughly, years later. If they didn't believe that promise, they would not have read it year after year after year so that we would preserve it Here together. That nugget can only be found in the ash heap. We're able to read Lamentations today uh, because these promises proved true. Because the first people that said them and believed them were not abandoned by God forever. Otherwise, they'd be lost to history, just like hundreds and thousands of poems and stories and histories just like it, that were written by people just like them throughout the ancient world. History tells us they were not abandoned forever. Uh, but it's actually, it's actually bigger for us than it was for them. It's, it's more encouraging for us than it was for them. We have a leg up on the author of Lamentations when we find ourselves in our own heaps of ash because we know a little bit more of the story. Uh, we have a bit more evidence that the chesed of the Lord never ends because God proved it. Uh, He proved it to us in the biggest way possible when he sent his own son, Jesus, in in flesh and blood and bone to walk the earth, to dig around in a different tragic time, in a different ash heap. Uh, The Gospels tell us, and, and I think this is interesting how it parallels with Lamentations, the Gospels tell us that Jesus sat alone beneath God's call That Jesus lied face down in the dust of the world as he helped people. But also as he was abandoned and people turned against him. As his body was broken. Uh, And We know from the gospels that Jesus even turned the other cheek to those who struck him and accepted the insults of his enemies. Though he never sinned, Jesus waited quietly before his accusers and submitted to suffering and death, even disgraceful death on a cross. And this is what we believe as Christians. This is why we come together. This is this is it. This is the point of all the instruments and the stage and, and seeing each other and then the communion and all that stuff, That this is it. Uh, That we believe that uh, God himself died on a cross on our behalf. Lamentations describes the death of God's holy city and how people responded to it. It describes in response to the destruction of the temple, the place that people can meet God in that city, doesn't it? But we believe that on a hill uh, outside that same city of Jerusalem, Uh, since rebuilt, God himself hung on a cross and died. That's the amazing thing that that we actually believe as Christians. That's probably the hardest thing to really believe as a Christian, that God himself died. The most powerful being in the universe, the one uh, who is the source of life, creation, physics, and nature, you know, the one that knows the answer to every question, who participated in the creation of the universe, God himself died willingly. Not his city, not his plans, not his dreams, not his people, himself. Innocent on a cross. To paraphrase another famous quote, God was dead and we killed him. Yet, three days later, he walked out of the tomb Proving the chesed of the Lord never ends. The Lord is good to those who depend on him and search for him. And no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. We are invited to embrace that kind of hope. Not optimism hope. Not things pretty much sort of work out okay hope, but the kind of hope that believes that one time God himself allowed himself to be killed and three days later he rose again from the dead. True hope doesn't come from our strength, our character, our bootstraps, or our optimism. Lamentations is about how those things fail, isn't it? True hope comes from Christ alone. And for most of us, It's only in the ash heap when we start to recognize how true that is. It's only in the ash heap that we start to understand our dependence on him. And it's only when it's too hard, unsolvable, and can't be undone that we have the chance to realize what was true from the beginning, that our hope is in Christ and the chesed of God, our Father. The gift of the ash heap is that understanding Because over the course of human life, all of us will eventually see our strength, the people that we love and care about, the things that we have, the places that we put our hope, we're going to see all of those things fade away and turn to dust. Uh, uh, Trust me, I'm with people all the time that are experiencing this in different ways. Sometimes it takes our whole lives to see our strength fade and fail and our hopes turn to dust. You know, it's in in aging, in our minds failing us, in the inability to do the things that we used to be able to do. uh, We watch all the things that we put our strength in fail. For other people, it happens all at once. You get injured, and that injury makes it so you can't work, and you lose your job. Maybe you lose someone you care about. But eventually, everything that we make have and do, all the places that we get our strength and our abilities and our health and our beauty, it all turns to dust someday. Jerusalem always falls eventually. This building will disappear to dust someday. This country will be a footnote in a history book someday, My life, my greatest accomplishments, everything that I have and everyone that I know, my best words and my worst mistakes, they will turn to dust. Our failures and our triumphs, they do get forgotten one day. Like Job says, we enter this world with nothing and we leave it with nothing. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, yet yet we still dare to hope. If we accept the one who bore those things on our behalf before we were born, if we accept the sacrifice of Christ, there is one thing, if we're willing, that doesn't turn to ash. One fleck of gold at the bottom of the ash heap, that when it's all sifted and blows away, there's one thing that doesn't ever fail and it's available when you've honestly faced the reality of your life. Sometimes when you've hit the very bottom and it's the only hope worth grabbing onto and it comes from the one who hit the bottom before us. That hope is in the person of Jesus Christ the one who on the eve of his own death invited his followers then and now to eat his body and drink his blood and to put our hope in his return, to put our hope in the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting, bought and paid for on a cross on our behalf. And so at church, at Bethel, uh, and in churches all over the world, um, sometimes every week, sometimes once a month like us, we come to the table together... And we drink a little bit of grape juice, and, and now at Bethel we struggle to open the thing to get the bread out. And it, and it doesn't taste like super good bread, and the grape juice is, is middling at best. Uh, but it doesn't matter, because we believe that those things remind us that we are sustained by someone who is broken and crushed on our behalf. A body broken and a blood shed. Because on the eve of his death, Jesus invited us to eat his broken body and drink His spilled blood. And so when we come to the table together, and in a moment, Will's going to come up and he's going to play just a little bit. And I want to invite you, if you haven't already, to come forward and grab um, some elements of communion from the table. Um, That'll be in just just a little bit. I'll invite him up when it's time. It's not time yet. Sorry, Will, I'm throwing you off. Um, When I invite you to that, you'll grab that, knowing uh, that that's a representation of that. And so when you come to the table, I want to invite you to carry with you all the ashes of this last year. Your failures, your broken relationships, your losses, your big deaths and small deaths. And I want to invite you to bring your sin with you too. And we lay them at the foot of the cross. We lay them at the feet of the one who carried it all. And we put our hope in him alone. That's what we're doing when we pick that up. And we peel that goofy little piece of plastic off and we we eat that bread and we peel that other goofy little piece of plastic off and we drink that cup. That's what we're doing and what we're admitting because everything else is ash. Would you pray with me? Lord God, it is because of the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, that we can approach you freely. It is because of your steadfast love, your chesed played out in flesh on earth that we can look to you at all. And it is because of the empty tomb and the resurrection that we can count on the promise of resurrection for ourselves and all who put their faith and trust in you. So Lord, in this year of losses and struggle and ashes, this year of feeling our foundations shift and shake like an earthquake. We come before you to remind ourselves where the true, solid foundation is. And that is in the person of your son, Jesus. So as we eat this bread and drink this cup, Lord, work in us. Remind us who you are and help us to get our feet secured on that solid ground. Take our ashes in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream and our in-person services at Bethelcov.org. Thanks and have a great week.